everybody. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. If you want to know more about us or connect with us as a church, then please go to our church website and we'd love to get to know you some more. But here's today's message. We hope it blesses you, encourages you and inspires you. Now, as we read these familiar Christmas stories, we remember that all over the world where Christianity is found, people will be reading these stories, children will be acting them out in nativity plays. And uh, Billy Graham used to say, it's very good for us to, as we approach Christmas, read through the whole Christmas story. It's good practice to do that. And they're very, very familiar. And almost because they're so familiar, we tend to miss or overlook some of the important meaning in these passages. And so let's just have a quick look at some points. The angel Gabriel is having a pretty busy time, just been to Zechariah, and now the same angel comes to Mary, and um, comes to the town of Nazareth. Nazareth is not a very big place, it's not a rich place, it's a poor place with maybe one well that didn't work very well, maybe equivalent today, might be somewhere like Arbury, you know, that people have heard of Cambridge, but they haven't always heard of Arbury. But people have heard of Jerusalem, maybe Galilee, but not Nazareth. An unknown sort of place. Mary betrothed, that means that she's engaged, a very strong form of engagement where you have to be completely faithful, betrothed to Joseph. And the angel appears and says, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you, in verse 28. Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was highly favoured, the Lord was with her. But in a sense, that is true not just of Mary, but that's true of every Christian person. Every Christian person is highly favoured, has received God's forgiveness and God's grace. You are highly favoured. The Lord says that to you today. You are highly favoured and the Lord is with you. But then that was true for Mary in a, in a special way. And when she hears this, she is greatly troubled. Verse 29, she's greatly troubled at his words. Wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And why was she troubled? Well, she was troubled, I believe, because it was a big thing that God was saying to her. The angel was praising her, and she was a humble person. And sometimes if you're a humble person and God says, aren't you wonderful, or somebody says that's amazing, uh, it can be a bit troubling. <laughs> it can be a bit troubling. And, and I believe she was troubled because she was basically a very humble person. But the angel says, do not be afraid. Often when angels appear in the scriptures or the Lord appears and Jesus appears, or they say, fear not. Obviously, it's a scary thing to have a divine encounter or a supernatural encounter or see an angel or anything like that. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. The angel says, 
you've found favor with God, in verse 30. Verse 31, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will never end. And so, you're to call him Jesus. He will be great. He will be the Son of the Most High, Son of God, actually, it says that as well later. And he will be the throne of David, he'll be Messiah in the line of David. And Mary, as a Jewish lady, girl, would understand this. And she would understand that the Messiah is coming and she's going to give birth to him. And she would understand Son of God, meaning God's one and only begotten Son, as it says in the book of in John, the only one and only Son of God, not just any old Son of God, born of God, not created by God. In other words, God's family, in other words, God. She would understand all of that. And she says, how will this be? How is this going to happen? And it's interesting because it's the same sort of, same words in some versions, exactly the same words as Zechariah says. How can this be when he meets the angel Gabriel? And then Zechariah is struck dumb because of his doubt and unbelief and skepticism about the fact that God is basically answering the prayer that he's prayed all his life for a child, but in their old age when Elizabeth was barren. So Mary says the same words, but I believe she says them in a very different spirit, if you like. She's not doubting or questioning anything. She's sort of asking a biological question more. (laughs) You know, I haven't been with a man. How can it be? that I'm going to have a child? And that's really the question she's asking. How's it going to work out? How that's, how's that going to, going, to, going to take place? And the answer is in verse 35. The angel answers, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One to be born will be called Son of God. There's, there's a cloud of the Holy Spirit coming. It's going to overshadow you you're going to have a baby. We, do, we don't really get a proper biological explanation in one sense. <laughs> but, but we could say that the, I believe the fertilized egg or the zygote was implanted supernaturally into the womb. And Jesus was growing and to be born. So it's a great, amazing miracle. And many people today have a problem believing it. And even, funnily enough, some church people don't always seem to believe that Jesus really is 
the Son of God. And the reason for this, I believe, is because we live in a culture where our worldview is not really open very much to these sort of things happening. Now Mary, being a Jewish girl, knew the scriptures. And she knew, Isaiah 7 verse 14, a virgin will come forth and conceive a son. She knew that. And Mary also knew that God was God, and God had made everything, and God was the creator and author and designer of the whole world, and God could therefore do anything. She knew that, you see. And she knew that creation itself is absolutely amazing. But if you've been brought up in our world, you may think that we're here just as a result of a whole series of random events, and the world just so happens to be exactly right for life in our universe. And here we are, a result of a whole load of chemical and biological reactions that somehow just happened and somehow or other ended up with a living cell. And nobody seems to know quite how that bit happened, by the way. And then the cells apparently developed and evolved. And here I am. And so the fact that I'm speaking to you today from... Arbury Road Baptist Church is basically some sort of fluke. And this worldview rules out supernatural interventions. It's a naturalistic, materialistic approach. And if that is clouding your thinking, it may be difficult to get the idea that God can intervene. But if you look around you and see the world with common sense, like my dad, I don't know if he really believed everything about the Christian faith, but he said in the war God had answered his prayers and he looked at the stars and he said there must be a designer, there must be a creator. And most people say that, or they, if you're honest. And... And if you say that, then that creator and that author can intervene in the world that he made and break the laws of nature, which are substantial rules and laws that govern everything, because he made them in the first place. And that's the definition of a miracle, almost. Joseph knew about the rules and the laws of nature when he heard that Mary was going to have a child, his understanding of the normal rules was that she must have had intercourse with somebody else, she must have had an affair, and he decided to put her away quietly because he didn't want to disgrace her. So he knew that. And the angel had to enlighten him in a dream. I'm not quite sure why he had a dream and Mary had a direct appearance. I never quite worked that out. But anyway, he, he had to be explained to him so he understood it. They understood it. They, they understood that this was a miracle. People knew, people understood that this was the most extraordinary thing, but they were open to it because of their faith and their worldview. And I just encourage us today to, to open up our minds a little bit to all that God wants to do and all that God can do. 
And I often found, when I was working in London, and, and still today, it came up at our group, one of our groups in the week. I don't know which group, there's so many groups going on. <laughs> and we were meeting online, and it came up that, that when, a, when a woman, when a lady has a baby, you often find, or I've often found, and I'm not a woman, so you have to correct me, Erica, but <laughs> I, I, I often find that this is a time that ladies are particularly open, if you like, to God. Because it's such an amazing thing. How can you have a baby? I mean, it's just such a miracle anyway. I mean, it's not, it's not strictly a miracle, but it seems like a miracle. And so, so Mary had a double whammy. Because she's having a baby, and then she's having a special baby. <laughs> so she had all of this, you see. She had it all happening all at once. And... Um, that's why Elizabeth says, Elizabeth gets it, and when the baby jumps in her womb, and when they meet, and Elizabeth says, you know, I'm so blessed that the mother of my Lord should come to meet me. And she, she understood what was going on. And I, I love the poem by, by Benjamin on Christmas, and I just want to read a couple of verses, because this is the truth of the Christian faith. It is a fundamental truth that we believe and hold on to. And, and, and Benjamin writes this poem and he says, and is it true, and is it true, the most tremendous tale of all, seen in a stained glass window's hue, a baby in an ox's stall, the maker of the stars and sea, the maker of the stars and sea, become a child, for you and me, and is it true, for if it is, no loving fingers tying strings around those tissued flipperies, the sweet and silly Christmas things, bath salts and inexpensive scent, and hideous tie, so kindly meant, no love that in a family dwells, no caroling in frosty air, nor all the steeple shaking bells can with this single truth compare that God was man in Palestine and lives today in bread and wine. And that truth is here in this scripture in the virgin birth, that God was coming into our world. It is an amazing truth. It distinguishes the Christian faith from other faiths. Other faiths may have good things to tell us, but only the Christian faith tells us that God has come to us. Other religions might say, follow this one and you'll find God. Christianity says, God has come to us. It is a truth. It is a fundamental truth. And it leads on to Jesus dying and raising again a major significant miracle truth. And people at the moment are saying, maybe Christmas has been cancelled. We're cancelling Christmas. We're cancelling this. You cannot cancel this truth. This truth cannot be cancelled. It is a fundamental truth claim of the Christian faith that God has come to us. And it's an amazing, amazing and wonderful story. And it happens in a way that we could never have guessed or never expected. To a humble town. Nazareth, to a humble girl, Mary, who found favor with God. 
It is the good news, and the good news has not been cancelled. And nor has the fact been cancelled that you and I, like Mary, can respond. And Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. And we can respond. And we can say, we are the Lord's servant. Yes, Lord, I want to follow you. When I was at university and read a book about Christianity by C.S. Lewis, and I came to believe that this is true. This is the truth about the world that we live in. And then I thought, well, if it's true, I can't go on living my life the same way. I'm going to have to change. <laughs> now, wouldn't it be a shame if you got to the end of your life and you felt, and you found out towards the end of your life that you've been living your life on the wrong truth basis? Have you thought of that? How would it be if you got to the end of your life and you suddenly discovered that all of the things that you thought or were things that you hadn't really believed are actually true? It's important to get the right truth. And for me, when I came to the Lord and prayed and found forgiveness, and I found a new life, and I found joy. Mary found joy in this passage. You read on a bit, you see her amazing rejoicing in what God is doing. And anyone who comes to Jesus may have some tough decisions to make along the way. And tough decisions when you come to him as well. It's not easy. But you will find fulfillment and you will find joy and you will find rejoicing. And that's what Mary found. And so this is an amazing story about how God calls and chooses Mary but let's just say today that God has also calling and choosing each one of us to follow him as well. Amen. So Lord, just like Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And she received in faith and she humbled herself and said, yes, Lord, that's the way it is. I'll be there for you. And so in our lives also, we say to you today, yes, Lord. We are your servants. We want to know you more. We want to follow you. If anyone listening or hearing this doesn't quite know about Jesus, there's ways to find out more on the church website and other ways to find out more about Jesus. And we come to you today, and we want to know more about you. And we thank you, Lord, that we can follow you as well. Amen. We're going to sing a wonderful uh, Christmas carol, which we've played in church in the past. Our musicians have played it in beautiful ways. And we're going to hear it played for us. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Thank you. <laughs>